Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you are here today. It's good to uh, share this time of fellowship and worship with each of you, and we welcome everyone. And we're uh, we welcome our guests, especially this morning. We're uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here, and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheet on each each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out uh, so we can have a record of your attendance and just fill out whatever information you feel comfortable giving us and check the uh, appropriate box. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out each Thursday, uh, please put your email address on there and we'll put you on the list. It's a good way to keep up with the activities of fellowship and worship and service that we have here at Community Baptist Church. I'd like to call to your attention a few of those uh, this morning. First of all, you'll see in your bulletin a little logo there that says, uh, Let There Be Light. And you may notice that there, there's some light in here, uh, but when we turn all of our lights on, you may notice that not all of the light bulbs uh, come on. Uh, some of these lights are out, and some of them hum, and some of them make a lot of noise. And so we're going to change that. We are going to um, change all of these light bulbs to an LED light bulb, which is quiet. It is also energy efficient, so it will cut down on our uh, electricity. And it will also be expensive. Uh, (laughs) Each one of the the units that we will purchase will be about $130 a piece. And we need about 20 of them. And so that kind of adds up. And so several people, a number of people have committed to uh, purchasing a light bulb or a light unit there. And if you would like to do that, we want to give you the opportunity (laughs) to do that. Great price, folks, only $130. If you would like to purchase a light bulb, please see Mark uh, Hobson or Sybil Keach, and they'll sign you up and just write a check to the church and and put on there that it will be for the light replacement fund, and we'll do that. This Wednesday, we will be having a special service Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock. Some of you know that this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and uh, that begins the season of Lent. And we will be uh, celebrating Ash Wednesday with a service at 6 o'clock, joining with First Christian Church and Zion United Church of Christ. They will be coming to our our congregation here and uh, joining us in that service that evening. We will not be having dinner. I know we usually have dinner on Wednesday night, but the time has changed a little bit. This service will be at 6 instead of our normal 6.30. And so we won't be having dinner, but we invite everybody to come uh, as we begin this season of Lent together. And speaking of Lent, uh, the week after that, the Wednesday after that, we will be have, starting our Lenten lunches, our, which we traditional, tra- traditionally do. Uh, the first Lenten lunch on March the 8th will be at First Christian Church, and then we'll be coming back to Community Baptist Church uh, on March the 15th. And we could use some volunteers uh, uh, Lana could use some volunteers to sign up and to help, and we could use some financial assistance in getting that underway, and uh, we would appreciate it. Now, for the next thing I want to announce, I need some volunteers. All right, you know what's coming, don't you? Okay, come on, Wyatt.
You might see, what some of you have seen us do this before, and some of you may not have. This long chain that we have here represents the total debt that we have, that we started out with our church. That was $1.2 million. Each one of these links represents $10,000. Each one of them represents $10,000. You have $10,000, that's right. This chain right here represents what we owe now, okay, or what we have owed up until now. There are 48 links in this chain. At the end of December, our mortgage balance was $480,970, okay? And if you remember last month, we cut two or three links off of that change because we had a good December. Well, we've had a good January also. In this, and so guess what we're going to do today? We're going to cut two links from our chain. Okay, I'll go ahead and do that. This is 48, and this is 47. Okay, and so this is where we stand right now. Our balance right now. Is four hundred and sixty-four thousand two hundred and three dollars. So in January, in January we have reduced our debt by sixteen thousand seven hundred and sixty-seven dollars. That's great. Now I want to I want to show something else as well. Remember we started this effort to reduce our debt uh, last. Last year, actually last February, one year ago today, and I want to show you where we, where we were then. We were right here one year ago. And so from here to here is what we've done in a year. Okay? So we have taken care of over 20% of our debt in one year. So thank you very much. You've done a great job, and I appreciate it. And we're going to keep on doing this, folks. We're committed to do this for at least two more years. And beyond that, maybe. We'll see. But we're going to pay this debt down uh, until we have no debt at all. So we're looking forward to that. We're a little at a time. And next month, maybe we'll cut another link or two off. So thank you for your faithfulness to, uh, to do this and to help us uh, rid ourselves of this debt. So thank you very much. Everybody, let's stand and celebrate. By greeting each other in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Grace.
Let us pray together. O Holy One, O Majestic One, we long to enter into your presence as we experience the joy of being together as a community of faith. We pray that you will calm our troubled minds and our grieving hearts and restore us with your forgiveness and compassion. Let us enter into the experience both of Jesus and of the three disciples who became eyewitnesses to the transfiguration. Allow us to climb the mountain with them today, leaving behind our everyday concerns for a while. Allow us to focus all of our senses upon Christ alone. Let nothing block us from the presence of Jesus this morning. Show us your glory, O Lord. Oh, that we could have been there with Jesus to see for ourselves our Lord's radiant countenance and to hear the voice coming from the clouds, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. We long, O God, to have that kind of intimate relationship with Christ like the disciples had. But we, like them, would prefer not to go back down into the valley to face rejection, humiliation, sometimes suffering. We like our comforts too much. We like our successes, our achievements. We hold on to our pride and our self-centeredness, and we confidently sing, yes, we are able to be crucified with you, but we are not, because we're too afraid. We're afraid of being changed. We're afraid of giving up our old ways of thinking and acting. We're afraid of what life would be like if we became something new. And so we close ourselves off from your glory, from the struggle and the joy of your ministry. And so, oh God, as you broke through into the world of your early disciples, we pray that you would break through to us today. Show us where your glory can be found not only on the mountaintop, but also down in the valley among the people. Show us how to live our lives in such a way that we may glorify you and allow us to focus on the radiance of Jesus' presence and let us work for a world that has been transfigured in your glory, the glory of your justice and your love. In the name of Jesus, the crucified and risen Lord, we pray. Amen.
morning, kids. I'm going to talk to you just a couple minutes today about one of my favorite, favorite things, superheroes. <laughs> Do y'all like superheroes? Who's your favorite? Superman. I just knew that was going to be somebody's favorite. No. Oh. Superman. Everybody knows Superman? We got to go to Metropolis yesterday. Where's Metropolis? At Superman's what? Superman's hometown. Superman's hometown. So we took this picture of Metropolis, so we were really happy to be there. I was really happy to be there. I don't know if everybody else was, but I was. Um, let me ask you something else about superheroes. Who knows who this is? Clark Kent. Oh, you really do like Superman, don't you? <laughs> yes. This is Clark Kent. So tell us what Clark Kent Tell us who he is. He's Superman, he's just a normal person that turns into Superman. That's exactly right. He transforms into Superman. Okay? So he's working as a little reporter, and then when trouble happens, he transforms into Superman. Now, does anybody know he's Superman? No. Maybe Lois. We don't know. Eventually. Okay. Um... I want to tell a little story about um, Jesus and transformation relating to this. One day, Jesus took three of his friends to a high mountain to be alone with them and pray. All three were bold and unafraid to tell the truth to others. Uh, then Jesus, I'm sorry, they did not know that Jesus, they didn't know what Jesus was about to reveal himself to them as he had never before. They had seen him perform mighty miracles. Now Jesus was going to be seen for who he was, God's son, and all his power and glory. Jesus transforms, much like Clark did into Superman, with his appearance then becoming glowing and white, full of light. He changed because his true spirit flashed out from inside. He appeared as, only, as the only real superhero we have, the Son of God. His three friends were both amazed and afraid. Jesus told these friends as they came down the mountain not to tell anyone what they had seen until he had risen from the dead. It was to be the secret, his secret identity, like Clark's, um, until he rose from the grave. Later, after he did rise from the grave, the story isn't a secret anymore. So we can tell everyone that we know that Jesus is the Son of God and he is the greatest superhero in the world. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to share your story with everyone to let them know that you are the real superhero in our lives. Amen. Amen.
Lord, you provide us with everything that we need. You have blessed us with many opportunities to do what's right and what's wrong. True. You never ask us to wait when we cry out for your name. You provide us counsel in times of sorrow and grief. You share joy with us in times of celebration. Lord, today, teach us how to dedicate our lives only to your glory. Teach us to become a blessing to others, even the ones we do not know. Lord, encourage us to follow the footsteps of your Son, Jesus Christ, as he was the ultimate example of what a good person is. Keep us away from temptation and mend the hearts of those who are hurt. And may these tithes and other gifts multiply and be a help to those who are in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. morning. I'll be reading from 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we have been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, my Beloved with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the voice from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
perspective here as I'm sitting here because I look at the choir and I see them singing and they have this huge smile on their face and then I look out in the congregation I see you listening to them singing and you have this huge smile on your face and those those feet are going like this and you're hit you look like you're at a rock concert and I've seen some of you at rock concerts so <laughs> someone wrote an amusing uh, but thoughtful dialogue, um, which he imagined between two babies in a mother's womb. Uh, Obviously, they were twins. And one twin asked the other, do you believe in life after delivery? (laughs) And the other twin replied, well, of course I do. There has to be something after delivery. Maybe we are here to prepare ourselves for what we will be later. Nonsense, said the first one. There is no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? So the second one said, I don't know, but there will be more light than there is here. Maybe we'll be able to walk on our legs and eat with our mouths. Maybe we will, we will have other senses that we can't even understand now. And so the first one replied, that's absurd. Walking is impossible and Eating with our mouths? That's ridiculous. That The um, umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything that we need. Life after delivery is logically impossible. But the second twin insisted, well, I think there's something, and maybe it's different than it is here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore. So the first one replied, nonsense. And if there is life after delivery, then why hasn't anyone ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life, he says. And in the after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It takes us nowhere. Well, I don't think, think so. I don't know, said the second one. But certainly we will meet Mother, and she will take care of us. And the first one replied, Mother? You actually believe in mother? That's laughable. If mother exists, then where is she now? And the second one said, she is all around us. We are surrounded by her. We are of her. It it is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not even exist. And so the first one said, well, I don't see her. So it is only logical that she does not exist. To which the second one replied, Sometimes when you're very quiet and when you focus and you you really listen, you can perceive her presence and you can hear her voice calling down from above. That's an interesting approach to the life of faith, don't you think? Is there a God? Is there life beyond this world? How can we know? Who can we trust to give us the answers to that? Well, there are some things that you need to know about the Christian faith. And the first thing is that nobody sat down and just thought this stuff up. Our faith is not the work of philosophers or holy seers. 
but of preachers and prophets and teachers and housewives and fishermen and a whole bunch of other common folks who were witnesses to events that they could not understand, but they cherished in their hearts. You see, the Christian faith is not about reason, but revelation. God revealed God's self to us through encounters with ordinary people like Moses and David and Ruth and Daniel and the Virgin Mary and John the Baptist and Mary Magdalene and and Paul and many others. And guess what, folks? These were not superheroes of our faith. These were very imperfect vessels of God's truth. They were kind of like the that story about unseeing people describing an elephant based on their, their sense of feel. You've heard the story probably, haven't you? Their testimonies were vastly different based on which end of the elephant they were feeling. And how exactly does one describe the indescribable anyway? If God could be expressed in a formula or a test tube or some trite expression or even a whole Bible, if God could be expressed by that, then God wouldn't be God. And even when God revealed God's self most perfectly in Jesus of Nazareth, It was left to ordinary people like you and me to describe what that meant. And that's why the events in the Gospels differ from place to place. Because these were eyewitness reports, not some well-thought-out religious theology. So let's notice what Peter writes in his epistle concerning an amazing incident that he experienced along with James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For he received honor and glory from, the God, from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice, he said, that came from heaven. And when we were with him on that sacred mountain, we heard that. And we have heard the word of the prophets made more certain now because we've seen it with our own eyes. And you will do well to pay attention to it too. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns when the morning star rises in your hearts. Think about that for a minute. Can you imagine what Peter must have been feeling as he stood there on the Mount of Transfiguration along with James and John as they witnessed one of the most dramatic events to ever take place in all of history? When Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, he left behind his closest advisors. He would not allow anybody else to come up there to witness this event. But when Jesus came into the presence of God on the Mount of Transfiguration, he took with him these three humble fishermen. Can you put yourself in Peter's sandals for just a minute and stand where he stood? Simon Peter, along with James and John, discovered what it was like to stand on holy ground. And I think that's important for us to understand today because, you see, we live in a secular society. And I know that there are a lot of people who like to say that we, we live in a Christian nation. But the fact is that there is very little in this life that is sacred. And there's very little that is mysterious to us. Alexander Pope once wrote satirically, Lo, the poor Indian whose untutored mind sees God and clouds and hears him on the wind. (laughs) I'm glad he was satirical in saying that. As Pope is saying, 
we sophisticated secular people, we no longer see God in the clouds or hear God in the wind. We no longer see the, the movement of water in a pool as a special visitation from an angel as the people did who sat on the edge of the pool of Bethsaida. We look to science, not religion, to answer most of our questions about reality. And it's quite natural for us to do so. There have been many benefits from the process of secularization. The quest for scientific truth has brought us many technological wonders. Where would we be? You wouldn't have cell phones if it wasn't for science. But as Alexander Pope is saying, something has also been lost. God has become an abstract concept for many of us rather than a reality. And intellectually, we believe in God, but, but that doesn't seem to have much relevance in our lives. Very few of us really know what it means to stand on holy ground. Now, this is not to say that those kinds of things don't happen. Uh, when J.B. Phillips lay in a, a hospital bed after a severe and prolonged operation. He was unable to move, he said, uh, he, was, he was unable to move a finger or blink an eye, yet he was fully conscious. And so he overheard the doctor say to a nurse, I'm afraid he won't live until morning. Well, Phillips fell asleep. And in his sleep, he dreamed that he was alone and depressed and miserable, trudging down a, a dusty slope, and around him were the wrecks of, and refuge of human living. There were ruined houses and pools of stagnant water, cast-off shoes, rusty tin cans, worn-out tires, and, and rubbish of every kind. And suddenly, as he picked his way through the, this dreary mess, he looked up, and not far away, on the other side of a little valley, he saw what was an undescribably beautiful scene. And so he ran towards this glorious world that he saw on the other side. He noticed that there was only a, a tiny stream separating him from all of that glory. He ran towards that shining white bridge that had been built across the stream. And he was just about to set foot upon that bridge when a figure in white appeared before him. This figure whom Dr. Phillips described as supremely gentle but absolutely authoritative looked at him smiling and gently shook his head and pointed him back to that miserable slope that he had just run down. Phillips' own words best conclude this story. He said, I have never known such bitter disappointment. And although I obediently turned, I could not help bursting into tears. This passionate weeping must have awakened me, for the next thing that I remember was the figure of the nurse bending over me and saying, Why are you crying? You've come through the night, and now you're going to live. But my heart was too full of the vision for me to make a reply. What could I say to someone who has, had not seen what I had seen? And then he said, it is nearly 40 years since the night of that dream. But I can only say that it remains as true and as clear to me today as it was then. Words are almost useless as a means to describe what I saw. And I can only record my conviction that I saw reality that night the bright, sparkling fringe of the world that is eternal. That vision has never faded, he said. Now, I'm sure that each of us will interpret Dr. Phillips' vision in different ways. For some of us, it may simply be an easily explainable dream. For others, it will be a profound religious experience sent directly from God. And just like those two babies talking in the womb, there's no way for us to say. There's no way of measuring things like that. No way of answering questions like that. 
But for J.B. Phillips, it was a life-changing experience. It was no mere dream for him. And you should know that scholars debate the historicity of the scene on the Mount of Transfiguration as well. Was it a dream? Or was it real? You and I cannot know that. We weren't there. All we have is Peter's testimony, and it is his report that he and his two fellow disciples beheld the majesty of Christ. They saw the master in the company of Moses and Elijah. They heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Simon Peter knew what it was like to stand on holy ground. And secondly, this experience on the Mount of Transfiguration confirmed for Peter what he already believed about Jesus. You remember what Peter said when Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter already believed this about Jesus when he went up to the mountain of transfiguration. Somehow Simon knew in his bones that this was true, and yet, yet still, just like us with our faith, there were times when that seemed truer at some times than at others. You ever experienced that? Sometimes your faith is very strong and, and you, you're strong in your belief and sometimes you waver a little bit and it doesn't seem so true. Peter was the same way. I mean, after all, it was a huge leap of faith to say that this humble carpenter turned preacher was the son of God. So many others had come before him claiming to be the Christ and there were others who had healed and others who had performed great wonders. So how could he know who was authentic and who was not? And don't forget that the experience on the Mount of Transfiguration was not enough to keep Peter from denying Jesus when his time of testing came. And it did not keep Peter from going back to his fishing nets after Jesus' crucifixion. So don't feel guilty if you find your faith wavering from time to time. We can't know all the answers definitively. Our faith will do that. It took the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to change Peter from being a reed to a rock, as the Scriptures tell us. His spiritual life was a series of ups and downs. Can you relate yeah. There were mountaintop experiences and there were valleys. And so we should not expect to move from sinners to saints in one fell swoop. But neither should we wait until we know and understand everything there is to know about Christ to commit ourselves to Christ's kingdom. Because guess what, folks? That day will never come. Not while we're here. There will always be questions in our hearts and in our minds. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter discovered what it was like to stand on holy ground that day. And he also had affirmed for him what he had already believed about Jesus, that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then finally, Peter discovered on that mountain what real ministry is all about. You see, Peter wanted to stay up on that mountain. He wanted to stay up there. Can you blame him? This, this was a pretty neat experience that Peter and James and John were, go, were going through here. This was fantastic. And he wanted to stay up there on the mountain. Lord, it's good that we are here, he said, if you go to the Gospels. And he said, if you would like, I'll pitch a few tents here. One for you and one for Elijah and one for Moses. And then me and James and John, we'll pitch our own tent here and we'll just hang out for a while. I mean, everybody loves a mountaintop experience, don't we? Why can't we just keep that moment forever, he thought. But Peter could not know that Christ's mission to this earth had a lot more to do with the valleys than it did the mountaintops. 
It has a lot more to do with hanging on a cross between two thieves than it does consulting with the venerable Moses and Elijah up on the mountain. And I think that that's a truth that we need to learn as well. This place is a sacred place to many of us. Yeah, I know it's a gym. (laughs) But we meet God here, don't we? We meet God here. And for some of us, this is the most beautiful and meaningful hour of our week. And we could pitch our tents here and just stay all week long. And I'm sure that some of our more active members are thinking, I might as well, I'm here enough as it is already. (laughs) But we need to remember the time-honored story of the lady who happened in on a small Quaker congregation. They were sitting as in silence, as Quakers do. That's what they do in their meetings. They sit in silence until God prompts someone to speak. And they were sitting in silence in their, in their meeting there. And this woman was not accustomed to this. And so she asked the man sitting near her, when does the service begin? And his answer was, as soon as the meeting is over. My friends, Jesus' ministry to the world of, was to a world of, of hurting humanity. Matthew tells us that as soon as Jesus came down off of that mountain, Christ was confronted by a man who had an epileptic son. And the boy's seizures were so sudden and so severe that his, his family was afraid that they would kill him. Jesus, could you please help And you know, every one of us is confronted with so many demands upon our time and our energy. And it's so very tempting for us to just pitch our tents up on the top of the mountain and stay there. Because folks, the valley is so demanding. It's so draining. But it is in the valley that real ministry takes place. Simon Peter stood with Jesus up on the mountain of transfiguration and he knew what it was like to stand for a moment on holy ground as he witnessed what took place that day. He had affirmed for him there what he already believed about Jesus, that Jesus was indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he discovered there what real ministry was all about. Not up on the mountaintop, but down in the valley. That's where real ministry took place. Two babies in a womb debate whether there is a mother. You and I, in the womb which is planet Earth, may debate whether there is a God. And we can't offer any ironclad proof. That's what faith, that's why it's called faith. The best we can do is to point to people who have encountered God in their own lives. Does their testimony ring true? Our faith has not been reasoned out for us. It has been revealed to us. Jesus walked among us and he is still with us today. He's still revealing himself to us. And so the question that I want to leave with you this morning is this. Would you open your mind? Would you open your heart? And would you allow Him to reveal Himself to you today? Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, I Surrender All. As we do that, we come to faith. Is it a perfect faith? No. Never will be. Never will be. Not while we're here on this earth. But it is believing in something that we understand a little bit. And the rest we give it over to God. And pray that He will bless our ununderstanding, our misunderstanding. And allow us to grow in our faith. Let us sing together. I surrender all.
having seen the Lord of glory on the mountaintops of worship and praise, go now into the valley of life, knowing that the Lord of glory goes with you. Go to fulfill the calling of God in your life. Go as partners with Christ to create the world that he has envisioned, where God's will will be done and love will prevail over all. Go in the presence and in the power of God's Spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Love of God. 